This is the Better Life, Better Work Show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm a life and self-leadership coach for authentic and ambitious small business owners and professionals. I show up here in your ears as a transparent leader doing the same inner and outer work that you are. I'm here to remind you that you're probably a gardener and not a machine, and that soft, sustainable, and soulful success is actually available to you on your own terms. Emotional presence and wellness are also available to you as someone who juggles both an amazing business and a beautiful life. I'm here to remind you that more is not better, better is better. Okay, this is an intro for this episode. There are two parts to this episode. There is the before Santa Fe part. There is the after Santa Fe part. And I do not find it coincidental. There's before heart attack and after heart attack. And so this is a two-part episode, all in one episode. Yes, it's a little bit longer. Um, I don't know the episode number, but I do know this is the final episode of the Better Life, Better Work show. And next week, when you tune back in, It will be a new podcast title. I'll share some of that in part two of this episode. Please enjoy. I love you. Let me know what you think. Well, hello, listeners of the Better Life, Better Work show. This is Allison Crow. It is 929-2022 and I am in traffic. What is traffic? Oh, so many insights, even just from traffic. I'm actually on the way, I'm, I'm going to the airport and I am on the way to a retreat with clients in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And exactly one month and one day, although September was a long month, so I think it's five weeks ago, not four weeks ago. Um, your favorite podcast host, Alison Crow, had a heart attack. So yeah, I've been kind of out for a while. Um, this this episode is a little bit of an up... I, I don't know what this episode is. Just hang with me. It's a car episode, a truck episode. The sun is rising. It's gorgeous. It chuckles me. It chuckles me. It makes me chuckle that I'm in traffic and just really normally live a life where this is not something I have to experience. So it's a, it's a, it resets our mind, right? I, I don't know about you, but I know many of us have gotten in our ruts and routines. And I know Bill and I have gotten in ruts and routines um, since the pandemic. And then we also live, you know, we moved to a house that we love after moving three or four times in I don't know how many years. Um, we've, we, when we moved back to Austin from the Denton area, um, the first house we bought was just a mistake. The neighborhood was a mistake. The house was great. The neighborhood was a mistake. So we have found a place, a house that we love, a price that we love, a space that we love. Of course, we have neighbors that can fuck all the way off with their inconsiderate um, the way they don't be an inconsiderate neighbor, y'all. Don't be an inconsiderate neighbor. The dog, we have neighbors on one, two, three, four sides. So I have two that touch my, the back fence and then one on either side. And I have two amazing neighbors who are so considerate with their dogs. And I have two neighbors who are completely 
inconsiderate with their dogs. Um, but other than the dogs, we love that. And But it is kind of far out. And so it's not like we're hopping in town to do something super fun. Or, you know, when we do go out to eat, we kind of go to our same little places. So we've been in a lot of rut. Also, I work from home and Billy Flynn is retired. And so he's home. And we have spent entirely too much time together. Um, also our dogs. Like, I don't, I don't want these to come as complaints. These are just circumstances that many people might, maybe not exactly like mine, but y'all, so many people are having a hard time and not, not to come across tone deaf. I mean, I, yes, there are people in the world that are having it way fucking harder than you and I, and to dismiss your own difficult times is bullshit. Yes, people in the hurricane right now that are losing their houses, that is a serious fucking problem. And these are just minor inconveniences. But sweethearts, our minor inconveniences are fucking valid in our own life. We've got to stop. Um, I don't know, this obligation to be grateful in spite of. And so there's just been some intensity. If you have not listened to Brene Brown's first episode back after her sabbatical, I sat in the car the other day um, listening to that and just sobbed along with her. I felt so much of what she shared emotionally. I felt a lot of what she shared experientially. Um... And I, so since the heart attack, um, many, I don't, I don't know who all's listening. So I don't know if you know, or in my inner circles and I don't want to be redundant. And I don't know if you don't know, and you have no idea. (laughs) Every once in a while I get a call or message from somebody that says, Oh my God, I just found out you had a fucking heart attack. And so it was a Sunday morning. I think it was August 28th. Um, we had just adopted out Harry the day before. Harry, the foster dog, got a great home. The only thing that's not great about his home is they're not like big social media users. So they're not posting pictures of him all the time, which is so hard for me because I want to know. And then I don't want to be like the creepy foster mama that's like, hey, how's Harry doing? Send a picture. Um, Maybe I just should because I miss the little boy. I even told him, I was like, if something happens and you can't take care of him, we'll take him back. So the night that we, or the day that we gave Harry to his new wonderful former legacy boxer rescue fosters who are complete with boxers and ready to move to a smaller dog, um, have all the time in the world for him and have the skills and behavioral things that he needs for his traumatized little body. Um, so very comfortable with the home that he got, but missing him. And that night or the afternoon, after we shut the door, Bill and I both stood in the hall hall. We don't have a hall. We stood in the foyer and shut the front door and just kind of hugged each other and had a little, little cry, just a little cry, a little cry. I haven't seen my husband cry a whole lot in 15 years. There's been a couple of times I cry every day. Um, and That night actually was really that Saturday night. Bill went out with some friends and I stayed home and it was so peaceful. So peaceful. 
and I felt my body relax and I felt my nervous system relax. And um, meanwhile, at the same time, my mom and dad were complete with the things that they were doing with their house. And so I've talked about a little bit before helping my parents navigate those things and my own over-functioning in it. And when I mean over-functioning, I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking mentally, like mentally over-functioning for me. And please, my husband's like, you worry too much. You think too much. No shit, Sherlock. Do you think that I want to wake up and in my mind take on other people's problems? Do you think that I want to do that? No, I do not want to do that. Um, but anyways, all that was coming to a close. Almost. Almost. It's over now. Mom and dad are moved. The house is turned over. Um, their new apartment is nice. They are. They have three storage units. But they their new apartment is nice. And they're settling in into a routine. And mom even sent me a text the other day saying how many mental burdens she no longer has to think about because they live in this apartment instead of their house that was falling down around them. So, um, yeah, that Saturday night, just super, super peaceful. And then Sunday morning, like every single morning, our Leroy is on a thousand heart medicines for his four different heart conditions. And a couple of them are diuretic. So he has to pee all the time, which means he either sleeps through and pees in his bed if he's on our bed, which he doesn't sleep on our bed a whole lot, but every once in a while, if he sleeps on our bed and is sleeping really deeply, then he pees on our bed. So that's always fun. Anyways, this morning he got, got us up and was like, I need to wake up and pee. And Bill and I kind of take turns in the morning. It's just kind of like your turn, my turn. So it was Bill's turn to get up and he got up you know, started to get up and get his glasses and get his slippers on and, you know, get ready to walk into the kitchen. And my chest started hurting. And I was like, why am I having heartburn at 6am in the morning? And it was actually like 550 or so. And I sat up and I, you know, in my mind, I'm like assessing, why am I having heartburn? But then I realized the, the quote heartburn, the pain was going all the way down my left arm. It was screaming up my neck and my jaw and my back. Like it, it didn't just go down my arm to my fingers. It also reached up to my jaw. I mean, the, the spread, you feel this spread. I don't, I don't, you don't know until you've had it, right? Like, and I have chest pain all the time. I have had chest pain for the last year and have been going to the doctors and going to the doctors and they're like, it's anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I've had anxiety my whole life and it never feels like this. And they do chest x-rays and they do EKGs and they're like, lady, you're fine. Lady, you're fine. And lady, don't feel fine. Y'all trust your bodies. You know, the doctors don't always know. They don't always know. Anyway, so... I got up to go to the bathroom and when I got up to go to the bathroom, I was sitting on the commode and commode, isn't that the funniest word? I was sitting on the toilet and tinkling and all of a sudden I just felt so completely nauseous. So I finished my business on the toilet and I got up very nauseous and I lied down on the floor. I had a major cold sweat, hot flash kind of thing and it wasn't the perimenopausal kind. 
and you know bill's like are you okay and i don't know if i'm okay but this is all happening bill's feeding the dogs so i'm laying on the floor i grab my phone and i'm like let's search symptoms of heart attack in women and i go down the list and it's everything i have right the nausea obviously the pain the arm the tightness of chest the pain in the jaw um the pain in the back the pain in the neck and then it's also the cold sweats and hot flashes and um the anyways it's all that so i'm like okay i'm definitely having a heart attack so i very calmly got up and told bill walked into the kitchen and i just said hey as soon as the dogs are done go ahead and put them in the crates because i'm pretty sure i'm having a heart attack so i'm going to go ahead and call 911 and we live um we live less than a mile from a, a brand new fire station and um so i called 911, told them what was going on. And shortly there was three or four paramedics, firemen standing in my um, bedroom, talking to me, assessing me, putting EKG monitors on me. EKGs were always fine. My EKGs are always fine. Um, and gave me an aspirin, put me in an ambulance we discussed which hospital to go apparently if you drive past a hospital in an ambulance there's certain things that aren't paid for so you can't really pick your hospital so we figured all that out i i at one point he's like i'm gonna give you some fentanyl and i was like wait a minute fentanyl i can't have fentanyl like fentanyl kills you of course my mind also knew that i have a paramedic giving me fentanyl so there must be wise dosing in that um, but he's like, no, this is a painkiller to help the, the pain in your chest and in your arms. And he gave me an anti-nausea medicine. And I'm just laying there in the back of this thing. My husband's going to follow in the car. And they're not in any rush. So clearly, I don't know. It's not like you see on TV. Get me to the hospital. They start doing all the tests. They start doing all the tests. They start doing all the tests. They do the chest x-ray. Um, I was very calm the entire time. And then at some point, and I'm not sure at this point why they decided to keep me overnight because they didn't mention the troponin, which is a protein in your blood that signals heart damage that shows up after a heart attack. And usually 12 to 24 hours is when there's the biggest spike. So I don't know, pretty early after I had been there, they decided they were going to keep me overnight. So, right, it's like 7.30 in the morning, and by 9, they had said, yeah, we're keeping you overnight. And then, um, so they, I got checked into the room, and the next morning, the nurse comes in and is like, I need to take your blood again. I think you're, I think you're, the test was wrong. Your troponin levels were so high. I've been a nurse for 30 years. I've never seen a troponin level that high. And they're concerned that the test got screwed up. So she took it again, and the test was just as high. So I stayed in the hospital for a couple of days. I did all the heart tests. I did all those things and they never could figure out why. And I was discharged on, I think, Wednesday night with what's called an N-STEMI myocardial infarction, which is basically a heart attack that doesn't show up on an EKG. It doesn't have the electrical things. So they're trying to find blockage. I don't really have high cholesterol. I don't have high blood sugar. I have like borderline cholesterol, but it's not, 
like my nurse was just looking at me like, I can't figure out why you're in here. And I was like, I know why I'm in here because my heart's been hurting all summer long and I've been stressed as fuck. <sighs> Anyways, um, so I'm home. What they didn't tell you, I still have a few more tests. I'm doing a, um, doing a heart CT scan. Um, no, not, not next week. I'm doing a heart CT scan in a couple weeks because they're trying to find out if there's any blockage. So it very well could have been what's called a vasospasm, but, um, they're not sure. I don't even know what causes a vasospasm. I haven't researched it. I haven't doctor Googled it anyways. So there's this heart attack thing and that's all the physical stuff, but y'all fuck that's the easy part. The physical stuff was the easy part. And I had a couple of friends reach out and tell me, I did not understand why in the hospital they were, she was like, here, have a Xanax. And I was like, I don't know that I need a Xanax. I'm actually feeling really fine. She was like, no, you need a Xanax. <laughs> no, you need a Xanax. It was so weird how they were pushing the Xanax. Um, and, and I get it now. There was a guy across the hall um, one night. It was actually very peaceful in the hospital except for this one night and whoever was across the hall was beating up the nurses and screaming and yelling and calling names. It was like a TV show. Um, and my nurse came in and I was like, are you okay? This woman was so cute. She was good. This is a night nurse. She came in two nights, totally gussied up, long Southern blonde, like movie star hair or beauty queen hair. And she had some perfume on. It wasn't obsession, but it reminded me of obsession from the nineties. Oh, it smelled so good. And she just, I don't know. My brain was like, it's the middle of the night, but she got up and she got dressed for work. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is being so mean to y'all. And she's like, yeah, I called his doctor said, I'm not walking in that room anymore. He's already pulled my hair twice and kicked me. Um, and I was like, isn't that, isn't that assault? And she's like, yeah, it's assault. But the police officers are like, he's hurt. And I'm like, oh, these ladies, not just lady. I had ladies, but these people that do, you know, these people that take care of people in the hospital, man. That is some hard work. Um, nurse, lady, Xanax. Oh, afterwards. So nobody tells me. They're like, okay, go home. Have a heart healthy diet and follow up with your cardiologist in two weeks. Okay. Nobody can tell me why I had a heart attack. They're like, well, normally it's caused from this, but they can't do any, they can't find any blockages in me. They ruled out broken heart syndrome. Um, and thankfully a couple of friends were like, Hey, watch out for the emotional swings after the heart attack. And yeah, that, that's some pretty intense stuff. Um, I've said online in some of my writing and I've said to myself and to some people, there's before heart attack, Allison and after heart attack, Allison. And I am just now figuring out, well, I, I don't know. There, there's this woman that is here now and there are certain, like I am sensitive to everything. My emotions are sensitive. My intuition and psychic abilities are super sensitive. My physical body is sensitive. So here's a, here's a good way to, to really nail it home. Um, 
I have no craving for coffee or wine. And when I do try to have coffee or wine, this is not an intellectual thing. Like intellectually, I'd love to have a cup of coffee right now. Intellectually, I'd love to have a glass of wine. And when I've tried to have a glass of wine, my favorite wine, the only wine I drink, it tastes awful. And um, it gives me total, like I have a complete inflammation response in my body. And so I just, and then I, I have cravings for different kinds of foods and things. And they're actually, it's, it's just fascinating. It's like some other filter came off and then friends, I guess I better pay attention to where I'm going. Then friends, um, I did have one friend, she said, watch out for the anger. And I asked her later how she knew and she said both of her parents had had a heart attack. And there is, here's the thing. I'm an angry person. Okay. I have a, I have a lot of stored up anger and resentment from 50 years of being a people pleaser. That's on me. Okay. I'm not, my anger is not about blaming anybody else. It's just emotion and I am learning to get to know it. But I tell you what I told, I told somebody, I said this before and after a heart attack, I said, I don't know how to explain it unless you're Gen X and remember the news footage of when the Berlin wall came down and the Berlin wall, you know, like the decision was that the Berlin wall didn't matter anymore. And then the human beings went to the Berlin wall and literally tore it to pieces. Um, okay. I'm at this toll road airport junction. I think I'm in the right place. Okay. And whatever walls now here's the other thing I just finished y'all writing a book called unarmored like how to take off all your armor all your protective devices all your coping mechanisms and how to live boundaried with an open heart okay and yes thank you for your patience Okay, I'm on the right road. I live in the city of Austin, Texas, where every time you drive somewhere, it looks different because there's new constructions or new roads or all those things. And it's all good. We're headed in the right way. And then there's always this place in Austin, Texas that you drive past and it just fucking stinks. Total side note, that reminds me, there's a whole neighborhood out here like nobody told them and all these people bought this house out in stinky land of Austin, Texas. That would suck. Ah. So, um, yeah, so the, there's no filters. There's no, there's no filters. And so my anger has been at the surface, my angry thoughts, my angry feelings, my angry body. That is fascinating. Everything makes me cry. Happy things make me cry. Sad things make me cry. When I look just yesterday, no, two days ago, I'm sorry. Let me not exaggerate. Two days ago, I was walking out of, or maybe it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. I was walking out of the house with um, my husband and I came across a neighbor who lives around the corner. And I used to see her every single day when we would actually walk dogs. Um, and she was like, oh, did Harry find... She doesn't follow me on... We're friends on Facebook, but she didn't follow me because she's... Um, I'm liberal as fuck, right? And she's not. She's conservative um, and very Republican. And 
I don't know if she's a pro-Trumper, but you know, so we agree to disagree and are, are kind to each other. Anyway, she had no idea, um, about my heart attack. And, um, I said, she was like, how are you doing? Did Harry find a home? I said, yeah, Harry found a home. And the very next day I had a heart attack. And then all of a sudden I just started sobbing. I was like 30 feet from her trying to have a cultural conversation. And then I, I realized having a, a heart attack is not a casual thing. Um, and so, yeah, there's, as one of my friends put it, you know, she was like, oh, well, someone said, oh, you touched death. And I didn't feel that. That, that's not my personal experience, but my friend Kay did say, this is a life changing event. And I've had a summer full of life changing events. Okay. I'm pulling into my park and ride. I'm going to hit pause and pick this back up. So yeah, the, um, literally unarmored. I feel a little naked and the first two weeks were so intense. Um, I've upped my therapy, I've upped my psychiatry, I've taken time off when I needed to. I, I have never had to cancel clients because I just emotionally couldn't get my stuff together. Um, you know, my sweet husband is like, you're so sensitive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to be sensitive. I just am so sensitive. The other thing is I my psychic seeing is off the fucking charts it's kind of scary um the shit i see the 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 things i smell the energy i experience coming off of people and then also the strategic business wise like i can see the strategic path for myself and for my clients i can see it so fast it's actually really challenging to um it's really challenging to process. Like, I wish I could record what I could see. Okay. So, um, unfiltered, emotional as fuck, angry as fuck. Um, extreme, I don't want to say extreme highs and lows, but like, I feel really solid and grounded one minute. And then next minute I feel like waves are crashing over me. The most magical thing in the world okay so um the the part one was recorded six days ago and immediately after i paused that recording i dropped my phone i thought i dropped it into my purse but apparently i did not drop it into my purse i dropped it on the curb at the austin airport and so um i spent four and a half days without my device and I was not intending to do a digital detox. I'm not that fucking zen, please. Um, but I did an involuntary digital detox. Yes, it was painful. Yes, I did really well, but it was painful. And I'm very aware of how much I am addicted to needing to know, right? Know the answer, know where I am. If somebody asks a question, let me search the resource, right? So like, yeah, checking Facebook and all that other stuff. That was one thing, but that was easy. Like once I clicked off, it's like, oh, I won't be on social media for four days. It was mildly uncomfortable. But what was really uncomfortable was not knowing. And so I think it's so perfect that part one of that episode was before Santa Fe. And I'm pretty sure I haven't listened back to it, but there's like before heart attack and after heart attack. And then there's after Santa Fe. So one month between heart attack and Santa Fe, 
And in that month was some brackish water and integration. And now I'm very clear. And in the month post heart attack before Santa Fe, I had all these knowings, but they hadn't solidified. And here I am today. I'm sitting outside in the sun. It feels so good. It's cool ish for Texas. Um, one of my dogs is doing her daily grounding, which she always does. She's so good at earthing and vitamin D. And the other one is in the shade and earthing. And we're here to finish this podcast for you. Better life, better work will always be and still is important to me. And this is the last episode of the Better Life, Better Work show. We are taking a slight transition. It's it really what we're doing. It's not a hard right or hard left, but we're both deepening and widening our range. And so next week, th- this same channel, you don't have to do anything, but we're going to rebrand. That it sounds so formal, but we're going to rebrand to... The Wild Edge of Being Human, a podcast for small business owners. Because what I am so clear on now, no matter how many times I want to walk away from business, it is not going to happen. It's not supposed to happen. And I am here to facilitate conversations with business owners you may be parents, you may you may be creatives, you may be all these things, but the the one context context that we share is small business owners. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a small business owner, it's totally fine. It's wonderful. You're welcome here. But I can't take my I am not my business, but my business is so much a part of me. It is not my wholeness, but it's also something I love and I enjoy. And I had a couple of conversations before Santa Fe with various people who um, have more traditional jobs where you work from somebody and they are able, right? I asked my girlfriend, Maggie, I was like, hey, when you leave your job as a physician assistant and you clock out, do you think about work? She said, not one bit. And her husband is self-employed and I'm self-employed, right? And my husband, when he was a teacher and when he was able to leave the schoolhouse, did he think about school? Not one bit. Do you know that in the entire time that my husband was teaching school and I was married to him, I never once saw him bring papers home? Like he was genuinely able to leave that. And something about small business owners is we are not our business, but we do not stop thinking about it. We don't have the luxury of that because we do have a responsibility and it's not just the responsibility to our clients. We have a responsibility to the entity of our business. And that can get really, I mean, it's really wonderful, but it also can get really like uh, murky water. And so, That context is here. A cute little, um, I can't remember the name of the bird, but it was, I'm, I'm bird watching these days now, y'all. Bird watching in the backyard and gardening. Um, and a bird just popped up to say hi to you. 
So, um, will every podcast be about business? No. Really, we are going to be talking about the wild edges of being human. And for many, many years, I use so many things to bypass being human. And I do not find it coincidental. This is not a coincidence that many of you have heard me say being human is the most spiritual thing I could be. And for the last four or five years, I really embarked, like took some space from quote spiritual practices. Um, early on, my evangelical youth was used to bypass. And then for many years, my quote spiritualness, um, I realized was a tool to bypass being in my body to bypass some of the trauma that I needed to heal. And um, at the end of this summer, before heart attack, the very end of this summer, I had an experience, I wrote about it in my book, but I had an experience where I came back online, quote, air quotes, online spiritually. And there was a phrase that was said in a TV show. A man prayed for his wife on a TV show. It was um, five days at Memorial on Apple TV about Hurricane Katrina. And at the beginning, this man prays for his wife, and I felt an electric jolt go through me. And then I had the heart attack. And both of those things were, um, I actually now believe that my season of being 100% human and being willing to walk in the rawness of that first chakra and second chakra and third chakra, my family, my history, my body, my emotions, my power, my weakness, first, second, and third chakras, my willingness to navigate that was actually dictated by spirit. So, did I reject spirit? No, I followed spirit's guide to take a human journey. And then this September 2022, the paths are now intertwined again. And there feels like a wholeness, right? So, it's not just spirit bypassing humanness, and it's not humanness neglecting spirit. There is now an integration. Those two are are forever bound together as I move forward in my life, in my business, and who I be. I have so many conversations that I look forward to having with y'all coming up. And I want to thank you for being a brand new listener or being a longtime listener. And I'm excited um, about the conversations we're going to continue having and I'm excited about the clarity that is coming and I I want to remind you this is going to be a big theme is that y'all we live in an Amazon Prime world Uh, my clients and I just got off the Cultivate Leadership coaching call and um, someone mentioned a book and it was hilarious how many of us pulled out our phones and got on Amazon and bought the book right the book will be here tomorrow and there are certain times when that is wonderful but that does not help that does not work in personal growth that does not work in self-awareness that does not work in creativity that does not work in building a business and all these things that quote matter to me and probably to you it requires cultivation of a practice it requires practices it requires practices i'm going to say it again it requires practices and the world does not want to sell you practices because it takes time it can be challenging it can be boring the world wants to sell you an attachment to a result so that you buy shit you don't need 
but I'm here and and what I I don't know another phrase we came up this week someone told a parable and I don't remember the whole parable but when the things that happen in our life in the parable everything that happened to this man people are like oh no this happened to you or oh yay this happened to you and the man would always say good bad who knows is it good is it bad who knows good bad who knows who am I to say and I had a weekend of not knowing and I have spent a summer being with I don't even want to say confronting but being with parts of me that are so uncertain and am I more comfortable now than I was three months ago being uncertain slightly am I healed not completely but I have new tools and I've been practicing tools and that's who I am I am somebody who has gathered and experimented with tools tools of being human tools in business the tools are not rules the tools are actually tools to support the vision and desires that we have and in between the tools and the vision is strategy and these are the three things that i'm best at i am best at tools and experimentation and the implementation of tools i am amazing at strategy and i am amazing at, you know, for as much as I don't know, the shit I do know, the shit I can see intuitively, um, third eye, crown chakra, the, the shit I can see behind the veil, behind the concrete. If those things are attractive to you, strategy, mystic logistic, strategy, tools that actually work, and, and not like a buy now button, but tools that it's kind of like saying, I have a toothbrush and if you'll use that toothbrush over and over again, every day, regularly, your teeth will be better for it. Your whole health will actually be better for it. I still don't have seven step blueprint bullshit, all that, but I can finally see after 20 years of being in business for myself and 18 years of formally coaching, by the way, I've been informally coaching since I was 14 years old and leading actually I've been leading my whole life as the oldest of four kids leading my parents at times leading myself I can see now and no matter how bad I wanted to see I couldn't see until I had navigated what needed to be navigated and then here's what's fun this is not the end of the story this is maybe the end of technically the better life better work show but it's the beginning of the next adventure is it going to be good is it going to be bad who knows so i hope you'll stick with me and with that i want to thank you and i will see you next week in the meantime um i have one spot on my one-on-one roster right now i'm doing eighth month one-on-one agreements we are doing deep self-trust work self-trust is the primary like getting to know me and do be yourself can be in whatever context but that is my one-on-one work um we're doing eight months for eight thousand dollars a thousand dollars a month for eight months i have one spot if you are interested in pursuing that message me um i have some things that i'll need to be get, get set up in the next few weeks for i'm going back to discovery calls um in my quote sales process 
I'm going back to discovery calls for my one-on-one and I'm actually bringing discovery calls to Soli. So there's going to be some shifts in Soli's and we're going to be doing Soli's. Um, I do not want Soli's to get really big. I have a cap on that. I have about seven spaces right now in Soli's. And so if you think you might want to join Soli's, which is a life container, a business container, a strategic container and, um, a, a community. Eventually, I'll have the new right-aligned language for what it is on the site. It's not there now. It's not that far off from where we are now, but it's definitely a container to help you grow your business, mostly in the context of self-trust. And then, yeah, every once in a while, there's some strategy in there um, and community and connection base. So I am actually at this point, while I have many Soli's who are quiet watchers, and that is their intention to be quiet watchers, the Soli's I'm taking in now, I want people who participate and show up. I want people who implement the tools I share. One of the things I've learned about myself is that I do not do well when I have gifts and offerings, not that they all have to be used, but if I'm going to share my tools or share these ideas, there is nothing that encourages me to keep going more than people who implement it in their own way. So I do not want you to be a robot of me if you're a client, but please, I am not here for inside alone. Inside alone does not cultivate anything. I can have an insight about the garden I want to wake and it's just a fucking daydream. But I'm going to come home and I'm going to plant one new plant. I went to Santa Fe and in Santa Fe, Lynn Carpenter, we were at their house for um, the Equus Day and Lynn Carpenter's husband, Brian, has this amazing garden. And it didn't just happen overnight. This man planted seeds and grew them. And then when he moved from Texas to Santa Fe, he had a very special trip for all of his seedlings and all of his plants. And I got to experience the bounty of his garden. But that took a lot of time. And I want people who are gardeners and who are willing to get their hands and feet in the dirt. And I want people who are willing to not only plan and daydream, but also dig holes and plant seeds and and be in this process of creating better life and better work. But we're doing that by embracing the wild edges of being human going forward. I love you. Thank you. If you want to work with me, send me an email at alliecrow at gmail.com, A-L-L-I-C-R-O-W at gmail.com, or message me on social media. Yeah, that might work. We'll see. Um, Yeah. If you feel that calling to either be a solely or in my one-on-one group, let me know. Also, coming up soon, I don't have it yet, but coming up soon, um, we have Camp Cultivate, which is in May next year. And at some point, um, I'll be, it's not open now, but I've made some decisions about Camp Cultivate, and there are some spaces left for the event next May. So I'm planting that seed. I'm not here to harvest that seed and sell it, but I'm just planting the seed if you want to be at an intimate 50-person event with me and with other human beings, business owners, cultivating the life that they want through creative, spiritual, tactical connection. Um, Plant that seed. Be on my list. That's the other thing. Be on my list. Y'all realize my list isn't big. 
Do you realize that I've been in business for 21 years? You know how many people are on my list? 1,200. I am, And if you are done being on my list, God bless you. I send you on your way. Peace be with you. Go and enjoy and prosper. Do not stay on my list out of obligation. I do not need hundreds of thousands of people. I need the right people. And so this this last Better Life, Better Work show, I am sending out the ping for the right aligned people. If you want to belong, you belong. If you want to... If you want to belong, you belong, but you got to behave like you belong. I can't come and chase you. Word got back to me that people at camp cultivate this last year because it went from 40 to 50 people, please. The word got back to me that people were like, it's not very intimate. And one of my, my assistant was like, oh, we can do this to cultivate intimacy. I said, no, everything at camp is available for intimacy. Anybody who did not experience intimacy of camp did not choose the intimacy that's available to them. And I will not do the work for the people. I will lay out the container, but I will not do the work for people. I am not a fucking kindergarten teacher. I left that job 25 years ago. 21, I'm sorry, 21 years ago. I'm working with full-grown adults. I have a buffet laid out. You don't have to take everything. But if you want something from this table, come and get it. And don't just come and get it, come and contribute to the others in the community. I'm not here to drag any horse to the water. And I think it is so funny how people complain. And maybe you're doing this in life. I'm sure I've done this too. You complain about what you don't have, but it's right in front of your face. Stop that. I love you. I'll see you on the new show next week. As always, thanks for listening. And I want to give a special shout out to Elise Rich from Wide Awake Recordings for her sound production each week on my episodes, especially the car episodes, and for her music composition for my intro and outro. This show is sponsored by my three dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adopting when you get your next pet. More is not better, better is better.